Hello, Two Forks Tower. This is Sissy Jones, voice of Delilah from Firewatch, and you are listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 61 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, December 6th, 2020. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we'll discuss the potential Microsoft presence at this year's Game Awards, we'll examine the response to performance issues still cited on the Xbox Series X, and offer review impressions to Immortals Phoenix Rising. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse, as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I want to offer words of kindness to someone who's made my gaming week better. And this week, I'm giving a shout out to Matt over at Assemble Show on YouTube and Twitch. Matt was good enough to have me on his most recent live stream on Twitch where he discussed a number of topics and we got into a really interesting discussion on the recent comments of tribalism and that turned into a a really, I thought, enlightening discussion on racism and representation in the gaming industry. And to me, that's a topic that has been too fleeting and a bit pandering throughout the year 2020, a conversation that needs to be happening more regularly across all mediums in the gaming verse with an effort to bring representation to not just the gaming side of content creation, but having more people of color, more people of uh, various diverse persuasions in the game making industry, developers, publishers, people working on the other side and not just playing games or discussing them, but creating them as well because I strongly feel that it is important we as gamers see ourselves in the games that we are playing in our art form and in our medium and too often those characters that we see are representative of just one particular uh, type of person for lack of a better descriptor uh, the the generic white male in many cases and it's an effort that we've seen really take shape in the last few years of having more diverse protagonists and antagonists, uh, not just fitting one particular mold. But I'd like to see that continue. And Matt and I talked about that uh, a bit over on his show, as well as some other gaming news. He, he was a great friend and a, it was a great topic. And I would encourage you guys to seek out Assemble underscore show uh, over on uh, he's on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. It was a good discussion, and it's one that I would love to continue having having rather uh, with more people throughout the gaming verse to help it become more diverse and welcoming for everybody. And I think that's something that we uh, too often have in fleeting conversations, particularly this year where it comes and goes uh, in a point of social issue topics in the United States. I would like to become a, it to become a more permanent fixture in our discussions as we make the gaming verse. Uh, better for everybody of all persuasions, of all uh, races, ethnicities, gender persuasions, etc. Yeah, so there we go. Thanks, Matt, for making my gaming week better. Uh, If you guys enjoyed this show, please feel free to go rate it over on iTunes. I'll tell you how to win three months of Game Pass Ultimate some point later on in the show. And I think I've got a few codes to give away of games throughout the rest of this month of December. Uh, Just as a thank you for those of you who have supported XEP. It's grown tremendously over the past year. I've had some incredible highlights from appearing on DLC with Jeff Kanata and Christian Spicer, the X-Cast of Kind of Funny, uh, and then making my way into so many other shows. It's been 
been a joy. And so I want to kind of give back and say thank you to those of you who do listen to XCP. But for now, let's move into some topics. Man, oh man, the Game Awards, guys. I feel like it snuck up on us this year, that's for sure. I, I've talked before about how I'm not really one to be giving out the best game of the year type awards or anything like that. And I think it would be a bit odd if I gave out categorical awards as well. I know some shows are doing uh, themed awards, you know, best best supporting character and, and best character to sit down at dinner with and just, you know, like fun topics like that. But given that it's a solo show and I don't really have anyone to bounce ideas or those kind of humorous moments off of, uh, I'm going to do what we did last year and offer 10 must-play games uh, from the year 2020 games that I think stand out as games that we should would play and experience from the Xbox ecosystem. Maybe not necessarily the best or highest quality in their respective categories, but games uh, that stand out to me as special. I talked last year as one of the must-play games about uh, Sparklight, a game that I thought was really unique and one that everybody should be playing uh, and, and seeing what it has to offer in that old-school old cool, old Zelda vibe, but also being a roguelite as well. Uh, it was a must-play for me last year. Games like Control and Jedi Fallen Order that, while flawed, were, were I think, special. And so I'll do that same type of list this year. Uh, you can feel free to let me know what you think the must-play games are of 2020 in the Xbox ecosystem uh, for sure. And I would love to, to hear your thoughts before I make and put out my list and send those respective you know, images of awards out onto the Twitterverse and to the developers as a thank you for making games. But uh, while we're considering that, I think it's fair to address a, a listener question right at the top of the show coming from Todd Oxtra. Uh, he says, any predictions of what we'll see at this year's Game Awards? And I'm going to take that in stride, Todd, as I offer a lot of thoughts on this. I think it's very notable that in this year's Game Awards, and perhaps for several years running at this point, Microsoft is rather absent in the nominations for Game of the Year across a number of different categories. We've seen impressive titles come out this year in, in certain subcategories. Uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps stands out as a must-play for me. It's definitely a game that I think is incredible and is deservedly in Game of the Year conversations for a number of different uh, outlets for sure, but very underrepresented in the Keeley's or Jeff Keeley's Game Awards. Gears Tactics, I think, is one of the best games of the year uh, in strategy games for sure. It's one of the most incredible turn-based strategy games I've played uh, ever to date, really and truly. Uh, that is an added bonus for me given that I am a strong Gears fan, but, but if we remove the Gears aspect of it, uh, it really stands out as a strong turn-based strategy game. And then really the only other notable Microsoft presence there, there in those conversations might be Microsoft Flight Simulator. And if we're being frank and, and acknowledging the obvious, I think, uh, none of these titles really hold a candle in the public's mind eye, public, public mind's eye. That was a weird thing to say. In, in the eye of the people and in the, you know, customer sense of the word, not many people are comparing or in the world of the wisps, Gears Tactics, Flight Simulator to games like The Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, I, I think it's uh, a fair to say that Sony is just really knocking it out of the park when it comes to their single player exclusive games that land into these game of the year conversations. And I bring that up because Microsoft will need to have some sort of uh, conversation piece from Jeff Keighley's event in order to continue their strong momentum into the holiday season and really into 2020. Uh, Sony ha has just done a wonderful job by way of getting their games into the nomination of categories that they themselves will continue to be in the, in the conversation for many months to come, as it's, I, I would say, justifiably they should be, uh, for sure. 
But Microsoft, as we've said many times, is playing a long game, and they're looking to become uh, an application that's on different TVs, they're on Fire Sticks, they're on uh, accessibility aspects of xCloud, they're, they're not just an Xbox, as it were. And so their attention, uh, or rather the attention they want to garner, is simply by way of improving the brand's image, something they've been doing a very good job of since the Xbox One S came out. And since Game Pass came out, people are no longer making Xbox synonymous with a negative aspect. And when you have a $300 entry point into next gen, I think it makes sense that they will do something to continue raising their brand awareness. Uh, last year, of course, they had that bombshell announcement of showcasing the Xbox Series X um, at the Game Awards, and we were all blown away by that Hellblade 2 trailer. It was just, to me, one of the best memories I have in gaming. I think it's unlikely that we will see any major game announcements in the short term, but perhaps we will get a better idea for how they plan to fill out holiday 2021 and beyond. I think it's fair to say that Halo Infinite is is going to be the obvious. Yeah, we'll see Master Chief there some way, somehow. Uh, but if I were them, I would back off unless they're showing a date for Halo Infinite. And really and truly, I think they should not do that at all. I think it's possible we see Hellblade 2, uh, and that is a holiday 2021 announcer or, or 2021 in game potentially going up against god of war ragnarok and i think jeff grubb fueled speculation that we might see some, some information from microsoft uh when he suggested that we might see forza horizon 5 before motorsport and that might be coming in the next year and they might want to showcase that uh but really there's while there's sound reasoning for the forza horizon thing sure i think that uh, it's important for microsoft to somehow have either studio announcements or game reveals that we are unaware of at this time that pledge, you know, dedication towards their future of bringing out games. Anybody that's been paying attention and is in the know knows that Microsoft is here for the long haul. For goodness sakes, they just put out two consoles and they've got uh, how many studios at this point? It's absurd. But they need that public mind's eye to be trained on their brand. The Xbox brand is is in need of another positive spotlight, particularly given that there's no showcase game at the moment and, and their competitors have a number of Game of the Year nominations. Microsoft uh, has been quiet at the time of this recording about the leak of a Master Chief skin in Fortnite uh, with a couple other other aesthetic Halo-related topics uh, that are showing up in, in the latest season of Fortnite. Kratos from the Sony side has already been shown, leaked, and released. And Keeley does have a close relationship with Donald Mustard, so much so that in the the Game Award like Zoom calls that I got to be a part of for several weeks running, uh, Donald Mustard was one of the guests on those shows discussing that Fortnite would change change in a way that we would, would never see coming and that it will be uh, industry shaking at one point. So at the Game Awards, do we see Master Chief announced to be in Fortnite? I think so. I think yes, given the, the leaks and the way that Kratos came to pass. Um, I will tell you very seriously, I have never played Fortnite ever. Ever have I never? I've just never played Fortnite. I, I avoided it in favor of games like Apex. It didn't appeal to me. I was almost in on the Star Wars stuff. And for a diehard Halo fan like me, Master Chief will pull me in enough to try the game. And if I like it, I, I could see myself spending some money in that ecosystem. If they get me, guys, if Master Chief is in that game, they've got Halo content, uh, and that Star Wars content with Kylo Ren is, is still up for grabs, and maybe Batman and some of the Marvel stuff, um, I'm going to need you guys to send me some V-Bucks. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need lots of V-Buck donations because my wife will put me out 
uh, and I will go into great debt uh, if there's Halo content there and I get sucked into all those other ecosystems. Can you imagine trying to make up for years of Fortnite content? Goodness gracious. You don't actually have to send me V-Bucks. That was a joke, just to be very clear. I was saying that in jest. But uh, in all seriousness, guys, I think that we do see something from Microsoft at the Game Awards. Perhaps nothing as major as the Xbox Series X. I don't know how you get more major than that. Studios, maybe some game reveals. Some people are, are, are tossing the idea of the initiative around. Uh, there were some people that had put rumors in various people's ears, including mine, that we would have seen the initiative at an XO event uh, had that have been able to take place. And maybe, sure, uh, I, I don't know. And a lot of people have asked, you know, do I want the initiative to be kind of a, a major player that we're already familiar with, something like, uh, I don't know, Perfect Dark or uh, some of the other major Microsoft exclusives because those those have been making those rounds. And frankly, I don't care <laughs> what the initiative is making. Uh, I don't care what it is because we know so little about about the, the intention of that studio. We know they want to make, as Microsoft put it, a quad A game, which is never a descriptor or pressure you should put on a team. Uh, we know they want to make a heavy hitter. In the vein of God of War, in the vein of Uncharted, in the vein of Spider-Man and some of the the heavy hitters that Sony and Microsoft uh, have been competing for and that Sony's won ground on. But as far as it being a certain particular game or or IP, I don't really care as long as it's good. And I I would say that about anything at this point. I just want good games out of Microsoft. I think Bethesda certainly bolstered them. I think the EA Play inclusion and Game Pass certainly bolstered them and and strengthened their positions. But uh, Microsoft needs to have more presence in the gaming space and in the mind's eye of the public. Uh, And you do that by putting your stuff in Fortnite. That very well might be why they are so adamant that there will not be a battle royale in the Halo genre because rather than bring battle royale to Halo, they're going to just put Halo in the world's most popular battle royale. And I'm down with that. I don't think there's any real negative implication of uh, putting Halo in there and then see him, you know, fight the Mandalorian and the Joker and Kratos and any other characters because it's just an absurd setup and it's just people enjoying the skins they like. And yeah, I think it's great. It's a great way to raise awareness for the brand. We cer- it certainly would have made sense given the timing had Halo Infinite come out. Uh, it would, certainly would have been, stand to reason, that would have been a nice bolster to the brand of Halo ahead of the holidays when people are downloading games. Uh, you know, maybe maybe he shows up now, maybe later, but I could see that being one of the announcements that, that Microsoft showcases, but I think we need to see more, and they need to set themselves up for uh, what we're going to see through 2021 uh, not just Hellblade and Halo, even if if Hellblade is even coming out next year, but they really need to show us games for the future. And uh, I don't know that we'll get that. We'll see. Performance issues have been something that that have been noted quite a bit of late, particularly in last week's episode. I went rather rather hard in on my frustration in the ending of the honeymoon period as I encountered bugs uh, that crashed my system multiple times with Call of Duty Cold War uh, and also watchdogs eating my saves. I've been very frustrated with those various crashes and and things like that that really sullied my experience uh, over in the next-gen side, and I had some of these occur on my PlayStation 5 as well, and I acknowledge full well that those are expected when you're launching new hardware anywhere, particularly hardware that's as complex as this. It's not as plug and play as the old cartridge days when the, the, the Super Nintendo was the upgrade. Now we've got you know network stuff, you've got optimizations that, that run a gambit of various uh, abilities for these systems, Series S and X and digital and, and 
hard uh, hardware, digital and uh, you know actual physical gamings and of that nature, installs, etc., etc., etc. And I stand by my frustration. I really wanted to finish Watch Dogs Legion. I love that game, but losing my save progress multiple times over has led me to say that even with the most recent patches, the save bug has not been fixed, and I will not go back until it is. And that kept me actually from playing Valhalla. Ubisoft sent me codes for all three of their major hitters, and I, and I want to note that now. And I love Legion. I would not touch Valhalla right now. I, I in fact, I uninstalled it in favor of installing Cyberpunk, um, or pre-installing it, I should say. But it, it really has frustrated me. And in that same respect, it, it's not lost on Microsoft that it's happening and that when games are not running well on their hardware, even if it's a software issue, issue it does make them look bad. And they've been acknowledging this rather publicly, and I appreciate that acknowledgement for sure. And it offers me a, a lot more hope for the future. In fact, Jason Ronald, one of the t- chief architects of the Xbox Series set of systems, uh, was on Larry Herb's podcast, Major Nelson podcast, which is a a good show, uh, albeit a bit corporate in in many respects, but a very good show. And Jason Ronald talked about a couple of these things that features that are exclusive to the Xbox Series uh, S and X and things that are really helping the, the system stand out as being a heavy hitter. He acknowledged where the performance issues might be be not living up to par and, and why that may be. And part of it comes from the very simple fact that these consoles were released, released in a pandemic and the game makers specifically are struggling with that. And Microsoft has been reaching out and working very closely with companies like Ubisoft, which I mentioned, to figure out why their games are not looking and feeling the best. And it largely seems to stem from inexperience and in working on the console. And Microsoft's working very much so to help those games and those software bugs uh, get cleaned up, even though it's not truly their responsibility, which I thought was 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 interesting. Things like glitches, crashes, etc. Um, I think it's good that they are doing that because whether it's Watch Dogs Legion's fault that the game crashes or it's the hardware's fault, it makes the hardware look bad. And in this case, in, in those cases, that's a software issue. It's not on, on the hardware side. But the hardware side has had failings and frustrations, uh, particularly related to things like quick resume and, and uh, some of the optimiz- optimization uh, ev- being evident that there was optimization involved. And so they've addressed that. Uh, Jason Ronald reported that quick resume has been sporadic a bit. However, they, however, they have re-enabled it on a system level for more than 20 titles, including Gears 5, which, by the way, is due for a story expansion coming up in the next few weeks. It's sometime in the month of December. We're supposed to get campaign DLC related to the the Hive Busters, and I am so excited for that. I am a loving Operation 5 in Gears, Gears 5, uh, and I will talk more about that, actually, when I discuss the OLED TV that I just picked up and my experiences with that for sure. But in that same interview, Jason Ronald talked about dynamic backgrounds being added on a system level in that, in that most recent system update we got. A lot of people were really digging the, the dynamic backgrounds and something like auto HDR showcasing when your auto HDR activates on your system and so that you are able to really recognize which games are taking advantage of Series S and X uh, aspects. Also cleaning up the UI a bit. They added optimization badges so that people could go to their library and without having to filter between Series S and X optimization games, they could just look at the cover art and know that that game had been updated to be optimized for Series S and X. To me, that's a really, really nice quality of life improvement. Uh, because I don't want to have to filter out to know whether or not the game has been uh, updated to to be optimized for best experience in this new generation that we are in. And I also like the fact that 
Sometimes the cover art showcases whether it's an Xbox 360, uh, an original Xbox, an Xbox One game, and going forward, no longer do you need an Xbox One game, you just need to know that it's an Xbox game and that it's been optimized for Series S and X. And so I like I like that. He also discussed things like system stability and performance and cleaning up uh, you know, transitions between different things, uh, as well as the DVR quality. Something I had noted that I was very frustrated with was when I take captures uh, of video images or, or Im- just in- images in general, it would post to Twitter super darkly. It would be really, really dark image quality. And despite the fact that on the system level, it was absolutely stunning and gorgeous, it would not post correctly. Uh, it would just post in a way that, that wasn't really visible. Things like that needed to get cleaned up and, and already have been and are being addressed. And I'm pleased with that. It is nice to know that our consoles are, are continually being improved as we go forward. That's not a new thing, but I think it's more than ever true that the system we have at launch will not be the same system we have in two, three years. Uh, the Xbox One certainly sent, went through its fair share of UI updates and performance updates to match the hardware optimization they did with the One S and the One X. However, the UI and, and the background stuff that we never have to deal with, that gets improved as well. And for it to be a month out and they're already addressing the known issues offers me a, a lot more optimism than I had a week ago where I was just so frustrated at having lost save progress. Um, let it never be said, guys, that because this is an Xbox show, one where we discuss it, that we are not willing to be critical of something that we, we enjoy and appreciate. We should always be willing to be critical of things that we support. Uh, I, I would say that in the political space, in our, in our daily lives, uh, in entertainment as well, if we enjoy something we we should indeed be be willing to be critical of it and not evangelize it by that same token in being critical of something and this goes back to the discussions of tribalism that have taken place over the past week i've often found that people who love a game a medium a brand a political candidate or whatever else become very negative about that particular topic i i talk a lot about halo and gears and things that i love I've never seen a more hostile group of fans uh, than some of the games that I really love, and they'll just have a go at developers on Twitter, and that's just never right. Uh, one of the I see it happen with Destiny a lot. That's not a community I'm a part of, just to be clear. I don't play Destiny right now, uh, but Destiny, nobody seems to like Destiny, and yet everybody loves Destiny. If you go on the, the social threads, uh, it's all Destiny fans complaining about Destiny, but they love the game, right? And we don't we we got to be careful. I, I love Gears, and I see a lot of negativity about Gears go in the social media space from Gears fans. And we've got to be careful that when we are being critical, as we should, we should be critical of things we like. As we're being critical, we're not putting out a sense of consistent hostility, and that we're reminding people that we do enjoy things, that we appreciate the work that goes into them. Uh, on a consistent basis. It's a it's a fine line and it's it's very rarely definitive. You can't have a catch-all statement for every single game or situation, but I don't ever want to be the Gears fan that looks like he hates Gears, the Halo fan that looks like he hates Halo, the Xbox fan that acts like he hates Xbox. Fine lines in all of those things. And if you are a part of a community that is living for a game that is living, right, where it's getting constantly updated, Sea of Thieves, Destiny, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, just I think we should always be careful not to to walk the line. It should always be clear that we are supportive of the human beings behind the projects and that we're appreciative of their work and that it, when we are critiquing, it's not being said in hostile tones that could be interpreted uh, in a way that might put somebody down heavily.
I know I veered a little bit there, but but I hope that my intention is clear. And I'm looking forward to the continued performance issue, performance issues being resolved. I want to get back to Watch Dogs. I'm loving Immortals Phoenix Rising. I'm wary of save bugs in that. Uh, I want to know that Valhalla is running well on all platforms. I couldn't care less about the amount of particle effects between a PlayStation or an, and an Xbox. But I want everybody to enjoy the game and, and get to play through it without having to lose progress and without having to worry about various performance issues. So... Uh, cheers to improved performance across all systems. My thanks continuously goes out to the teams on the back end of Xbox and, and Microsoft that work to make my gaming weeks and lives better. Um, cheers to you guys, and I appreciate you. It was making the internet rounds last week or so, and I put it on the notes because I found it to be interesting. Uh, preliminary data from sites like VG Charts, which track uh, various amounts of sales in different spaces, but are by no means definitive. They were tracking and reporting that PlayStation 5 has outsold Xbox Series S and X by numbers of 2 to 1 at this point, and I found that to be interesting, uh, 2 to 1 in a worldwide unit sales aspect. I found it interesting, I should say, because one, VG charts is not 100% reliable, but it does stack up and stand to reason that logically that's how things would pan out. By the same token, both Xbox and PlayStation have reported that this is their biggest launch of a console ever, and they've completely sold out of stock and remain uh, sold out consistently and are expecting to be sold out consistently well into 2021. And I, I, I enjoy stories uh, like this only on a small degree level because I think they're a touch misleading. When you have companies that have been are completely sold out of stock, and they're both saying this is the biggest launch ever, and then you're reporting that one's outselling the the, the other. It, it can accidentally set the wrong narrative, or or set the narrative that that might paint the wrong picture. I should say, uh, both seem to be doing very well, of course, and will lead into strong quarter ones of 2021 with their sales. And it's really a matter of who can make the most units at this point. And they both got two boxes that they've got to account for. Uh, both have two different price entry points. But every time I mention stuff like this, I'm bringing up Sony and Microsoft. And that makes sense. They both release consoles next to each other. However, the, the true statement behind this that I'm trying to make is that they are no longer direct competitors in the same way that we, we would once have thought them to be. Simply put, Microsoft is working for their 2021 and beyond to be a matter of brand availability on multiple platforms, not just in the console space. We know about xCloud, we know about PC, the merging of UIs across all of them, but being an app on a new smart TV, being uh, able to be accessed across different places, you know you can access Xbox Live from your Nintendo Switch, the idea that they can get Game Pass, which is their killer app, which is their new platform, in as many places as possible. And so I'm ecstatic to hear that both have sold out, that they're that they're having these major launches. Uh, and really, I'm ready to see what it is we're going to have navigating into 2021 on the game side. So I'm going to go back to our Game Awards discussion. What games are we going to play? Sony's riding the back of Spider-Man. They've got Ratchet & Clank and Horizon out there on the horizon. God of War Ragnarok is supposedly uh, coming in 2021. Right now, I know about Halo Infinite, and I know about Hellblade 2. And I think that's it as far as the exclusive space. And so I'm curious to see where that showcase piece is that proves the console's power. I'm curious to see how that uh, accessibility across multiple platforms seems to work. Does it hold back 
what it is we're going to see, and I want to know how they respond to each other going forward. I'm ecstatic they both had big launches. Now I want to see how we're building for the future. I want to see how they're adjusting to demand so that people who are, are scrambling to get these consoles, how are they going to enjoy them? for the next few years running. I'm ready to see that kind of stuff, and perhaps I'm being impatient as a gamer, because there's certainly plenty on my short-term docket, but when the biggest game of the year, arguably, is Cyberpunk 2077, and there is no next-gen availability of that that version of the game, I think it's uh, just interesting to look at how all of these things tie together and play out. Let me know what you think. You know, d- Does it bother you that uh, Xbox was outsold 2 to 1 according to this data? Do you think that it matters at all, given that they both sold out and they're both had major launches. Uh, where are you coming in on this particular front? And do you buy my argument about it being an app and about Xbox visibility everywhere and the mind share of Xbox being more important than the physical sales? Let me know. Last week, I teased that I would be getting an LG OLED TV. It has arrived. I do have it. And a fleeting moment of panic as my savings account dwindled and I had saved for years for these consoles and didn't prepare to buy this at all and then just on a whim did it. Uh, I can tell you right now, guys, next gen is all about the display that you are using. I... It was like tasting ambrosia for the first time or using a smartphone for the first time. Once you see it, then you realize where you were and how you can never go back. Uh, it is it is a huge cost undertaking to get an OLED display for sure. Uh, and there are certainly a lot of people that are locked out of it by, by way of pricing. And I, I was not ready for just how impressive that was. I did not realize what my Xbox Series X was capable of displaying until I saw that. I've talked uh, at length, actually, about Gears 5 at various points on this this show's history. I love Gears of War. I have a very strong affinity for Gears of War. And that game has always had, or that franchise, rather, has always had a reputation for being some of the highest fidelity, best-looking games uh, in the business. And love for Gears in, the, in public mindshare has waned a bit, for sure. And I think that when people booted up Gears 5 on their Xbox Series X, the comment that I heard from from my good friend Joe uh, and from my buddy Kevin and whatnot is that it looks great on Series X, sure, but it's more Gears, it doesn't feel special. When I saw it on an OLED, I really saw the difference between the, the TCL HDR that I was on and loved, by the way, loved my TCL, still do love it, I, I have it on a different system right now, Um, But once I booted up the OLED, I really saw the little things that these systems were doing, draw distances, finer details, you know, fabrics on outfits, things like that. And it became apparent that I didn't quite understand, uh, perhaps due to, well, certainly due to ignorance, but perhaps just due to not quite understanding the numbers that tend to show up when people talk about displays and and frame rates, etc., 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 playing Gears of War on an OLED TV that can do 120 frames per second uh, it, it was another experience, and it really set the bar, I think, for what I'm expecting out of next-gen as we go through for the next few years. It really changed my perception for visually what we can see these new consoles doing. More to that point, it's not something that translates well into Twitter. You can't post a picture of what you're seeing. It's a matter of display fidelity, and I'm just 
in shock constantly whenever I boot up a game like Ori or Gears 5 that takes advantage of of these displays. It's not a matter of system power, it's a matter of display, and, and those things are separate to me. But it was just, it was stunning. And so I will tell you this, if you've got a next-gen device, the next thing on your on your savings list, pricing and planning appropriately, of course, for your family, uh, should be an OLED display, for sure. I, I stand by that now wholeheartedly. I, it's, it's a matter of seeing the light. If you are not sure you're on the fence, wait. Don't experience it. Uh, until you are ready, because once you do, you will not want to go back. But it changed. It changed how I see these next-gen consoles. It really, really did, and it, it was wild. And you know, with the Game Pass news lately, uh, a game like Control is coming to to Game Pass. Like, do I want to boot that back up? It's not the Ultimate Edition, but do I want to go back and see it? And what I've been doing is treating myself to going back to older games to try out just how they look with real HDR, the deepest blacks and the brightest whites and uh, the, the, just the most incredible visual displays. It's, it's pretty nuts, guys. It's pretty nuts. And uh, I'm ecstatic and fortunate for sure, uh, but, but totally out of money. I'll tell you that. <laughs> totally out of money. Oh, man. Uh, Game Pass updates real quick. A lot of games. 18 games are coming to Game Pass over the next week or so uh, across Android, PC, and console. And I love that they're including Android uh, as an aspect there. Rage 2 is one of the ones that's going to xCloud, which is what they mean by it when they say Android. Rage 2 was a really cool game as far as gunplay was concerned. Um, Some of the the other pieces of the package didn't quite come together as well. But if you're a fan of Doom and Doom Eternal and that gunplay, Rage 2 has all of that. And you should absolutely check it out for that purpose. It's on Game Pass standard i believe but also xcloud now uh and control as i mentioned is the big one uh it was finally announced for game pass not the ultimate edition which is interesting but you'll still get the hardware advantages of better loading uh they've certainly cleaned up that game we talked about living games earlier they've cleaned up the performance issues for sure given that that it's no secret the control universe ties into alan wake that's really cool and uh, kind of a kind of a neat sub note to that is Alan Wake, Quantum Break, and Control are now all on Game Pass, so you have some of the best Remedy has to offer. Uh, and the single player to Crossfire X will be made by Remedy, and that's coming to Game Pass as well exclusively. So there's kind of something neat within that. I think exclusive is a weird term nowadays anyway, but so it goes. Uh, also worth mentioning, Call of the Sea is included in that Game Pass update. Call of the Sea, of course, we had the, the creative director, Tatiana Delgado, on the show back in, I think, June. And Sissy Jones, the lead voice actor, also the voice of Fury uh, in Darksiders 3 and Delilah in Firewatch and many others, goodness gracious. Uh, she and Yuri Lowenthal are the lead voices in Call of the Sea, and that, that's day and date, as well as the game Haven, Ukulele in the Impossible Lair, Dragon Quest XI, and, and, and plenty more. Um, game Pass, man. Whew. I don't know how you make that, that – I don't know how you make that service better. I've gotten that question a lot lately. How do you make that service better? Don't raise the price. That's my answer. <laughs> turning into a long show but a good one i hope you're enjoying it man thank you guys for hanging out with me here on xcp this week uh i talked last week about observer system redux i told you that i would be giving you uh kind of an update as to how i feel about the game after having played more of it man that's a great title that is a great horror title from bluebird team uh, observer system redux the the series x version uh, i stand by my assertion that the game is more mystery than horror however uh, if you are a fan of the mystery genre but not horror, you should avoid this one. There's certainly plenty of scares to go. I, I genuinely think it's a great compliment as well to kind of the December theme of cyberpunk because it is a very different take 
on cyberpunk culture than what we'll see and get in cyberpunk 2077 if you are on the fence or you want a good horror game i think observer system redux is one to get for sure so check that one out i have also been playing for review immortals phoenix rising uh this was a code provided by ubisoft and as i said earlier in the show i avoided valhalla due to the issues and i was frustrated with legion despite loving that game and singing its praises uh Immortals Phoenix Rising is low-key one of the best games of this year. I'm having an absolute blast with it. The too often repeated and yet very accurate descriptor of Breath of the Wild meets Assassin's Creed uh, is a fantastic descriptor of what that game is. You look at the visual aesthetics and some of the mechanics like climbing, uh, you get a lot of Breath of the Wild vibes. The combat is certainly far better than in Breath of the Wild. A lot of the tedium that came in in, in the, one of the, my favorite Zelda games of all time uh, is eliminated here in Immortals Phoenix Rising, and I dig it. I'm loving the combat. I'm 15 or so hours in at this point, and as you upgrade Phoenix, you you get any number of abilities that I did not know would be there, far more than Link would ever have gotten in Breath of the Wild, far more diverse, and I'm, I'm just absolutely adoring my time with it. Uh, the narrative plays out in a conversation between Prometheus and Zeus, and they have a lot of, I would say, very immature humor, as they're discussing things and a lot of reflective pieces about the arrogance of man and the arrogance of, of the gods at the time. If you're familiar with the Greek pantheon and the stories that come in Greek mythology, you'll be treated to some really accurate interpretations and some that take some liberties. If you have children that you are hoping might mm, get into mythology or you kind of want to nudge them into accidentally learning something uh, while we're in this pandemic. I think Immortals is good for that as well. Maybe that's the teacher side of me talking, but uh, it has me wanting to check out more in the way of like the lightning thief and, and Greek mythology for, for young adults and in video games and whatnot. It's, it's, it's really kind of cool, particularly as I've been getting an overdose of Norse mythology by way of Marvel, God of War, uh, and Valhalla. Just, just kind of that, that's been inserted into our culture a lot lately. This brings back some of the Greek showcases. And news that the season pass will include some Chinese mythology, I believe some Egyptian, Egyptian mythology as well. I'm excited by that. Uh, but all that is to say it's still, you know, 15 hours in, it's an open world game made by Ubisoft. And so if you, if you like those, as I do, you're going to have a lot to do in this game. And you can really either let the game handhold you and you can go, you know, critical path, point to point and, and level up that way. Or you can do what I do, which is just look around the map and, and discover places as you go. Uh, there's a lot of ways to level up. It doesn't seem to be very aggressive in terms of the microtransactions that uh, are are available but not really present in the game. Like, it's, it's really not obtrusive at all. Um, I know that they exist, I should say. I, 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 when I say that, let me read back up. When I say microtransactions, there's a season pass, and there's some outfits and stuff that you can get by way of connecting to Ubisoft Connect, but I don't ever feel like it's attacking my wallet at all. Like, at all. Not even a little bit. Um, and I am so excited as I upgrade my character, get get him better outfits. Uh, the character creator is rather boring, I would say. There's not really much to, to making your character look all that unique. I think it, uh, some of the character models look a bit effeminate in some ways, which is not a bad thing at all. Um, but not a ton of facial types, not a ton of hair, not a ton of uh, hairstyles or, or things like that, though they did do a good job of having uh, what I would say is hairstyles and facial structures representative of a, a couple different races, which I like. You can do any any number of skin colors and, and whatnot, um, but the character creator is not 
too much to write home about after that point. Uh, it's really more about putting outfits on Phoenix and giving him upgrades. You can put an outfit on, but then make sure it looks a different way. You can just you can look however you want. Uh, guys, it's beautiful. I love this game. I'm loving it so far, I should say. And as long as I don't hit a bug the way I did in Watch Dogs Legion, this is going to be one of my favorite games of this year. And that's a scary thing to have to worry about for sure. But Immortals Phoenix Rising, if you are are on the fence, go get it. It's great. Uh, if you want something that's less intense than, say, Cyberpunk and Valhalla, go get it. It's great. If you want a great game that your kids can be around that that is you know PG-ish, go get it. It's great. I, I'm digging Immortals Phoenix Rising uh, for sure. Just, just know that you're getting an open world game that is uh, generic in terms of, of uh, what you're doing but really good at, at gameplay. It's just not going to, you're not going to remember, I guess you would say, all the moments that you would say in, in something like Breath of the Wild. But yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Go for it. Get it. Goodness gracious. I'm having a good old time. I hope you guys are too. Uh, I want to tell you before we get to listener mail, how you can land a three-month Game Pass Ultimate code. I've got it here on this doc. You need to respond to the tweet that I put out on Monday. Mid, you know, By midday, I'll have the tweet out there uh, with the links to the show. If you respond to it with an image of uh, XEP on your phone or device, like a screenshot showing that you're listening to the show, if you respond to that uh, and just say hi or whatever, I don't really care what you say as long as it's nice, um, just just show me that you're listening to it. I will enter you into a random drawing for this three-month code uh, for Game Pass Ultimate. And then, of course, I think I have some games to give away throughout later on in the month, and I'll probably do something similar to that. So whereas I read a code last week, this week you just respond to me on Twitter with uh, a screenshot of you listening to the show, and I will pick a winner from that. Retweeting the show doesn't hurt. Uh, I'll tell you that. Let's go to questions here. Lots of questions. This one's coming from Hypecaster, my good old buddy Antonio Guillen, uh, addressing Immortals Phoenix Rising and others. He says, I've been hearing mixed reviews lately for titles like Phoenix Rising and others, which makes it hard to, to make a decision on what to buy. Do you think that in order to compete with Game Pass's full price games, $70, $70 games on the Sony side, we will need to release demos to make a good impression? That's a great question, Hypecaster. I do not see demos returning the way they once did. I used to love demos in the Xbox 360 era. In fact, when I first bought my Xbox 360, I had sold Plasma in college to do it. And the only game I bought was uh, Gears of War and Sneak King, uh, like the Burger King game. Because that was all I could afford, right? Like I say, you know, I sold Plasma to buy, right? And so I would download demos constantly to just play different things. There were some demos. I think the Lost Planet demo, I played through that a ton of times. Uh, but the more I, I learn about the industry, I find that demos are a lot of work for developers, vertical slices of their project that uh, don't necessarily equate to sales on a consistent basis. And when you have the capacity now, as we do, to do free trial weekends, to do free for 10 hours or so, like EA Play did, uh, to put something in Game Pass for a month or whatnot, I think that's a better showcase of your title because people get the full game experience and they can marathon it if they want to, but in doing so, that means that on their friends list, people are seeing the name of that game. Uh, in their shared features, because we now have a share button and it's very common to share out what you're playing, people are seeing that and it gets the word out about the game far better than I think a demo uh, does I think demos are dead in the traditional sense, which sucks because I really miss them, and I really miss demo discs, man. Oh, my old PlayStation magazine, pop that in there, 
so many games that Metal Gear demo was amazing. Uh, but yeah, I do not think it pushes people to release demos so much as do trials uh, and motivate people to put their their game out there for people to try out and then then kind of cut them off after a certain amount of time versus making a vertical slice of a game. Good question, uh, Antonio. This is a question coming from Samuel Adams. He says, echoing what Snowbike Mike asked on this week's GameCast, or Xcast, what, do you have any holiday gaming traditions? That's a great question, Sam. Uh, holiday gaming traditions, not necessarily. I don't think so. However, uh, every year I tend to try and play through the Arkham games, or at least one of the Arkham games. I always, when I think of Christmas time, I think of, of Arkham Origins now. Uh, but I also think of Metal Gear Solids 1 and 2 because I have very fond memories of getting those games for Christmas and then being snowed in and just playing those for hours on end uh, for sure. And so while not Xbox specific, I just relate those to the holidays. But uh, no real, yeah, no holiday traditions in that particular sense. Sorry, Sam, I wish I had a better answer for you. This question comes from Mario Pampa. He says, have ever, any of your expectations for these new consoles been met? Also, if you end up getting Cyberpunk, what lifestyle are you playing first? Corpo, Street Kid, or Nomad? Uh, Mario, my, my expectations have been met, but so have my frustrations. That I think I've listed previously in the show, so I won't rehash them. Uh, but as far as if I'm getting Cyberpunk, I did pre-purchase it. I have not gotten a review code, um, and it, it sounds like those are... Uh, few and far between, plus uh, I'm a fairly small show and, and I've been very fortunate to get the Ubisoft games that I've gotten a few and some smaller ones, so I went ahead and bought it, pre-installed it. Um, I don't know which lifestyle uh, I'm going to choose as far as Cyberpunk is concerned. I've been fairly media dark on the game, uh, just in favor of stuff that I could play in the moment, so I, I am welcoming suggestions. I do not know, I, I really don't know. Uh, which one I should pick. So let me know what you think. What are the benefits to each of them? I'm, I'm curious there. Next question comes from Clint Coombs. He says, uh, thoughts on hopefully more JRPGs coming to Xbox this generation. Uh, hoping for JRPGs to be more plentiful on Xbox. We did just get Dragon Quest Eleven, which is fantastic, but I feel Xbox is far behind on the JRPG front. Clint, I think you're absolutely right that they are behind on the JRPG fronts, and I do not think that is lost on Microsoft. We've seen concerted efforts by them to make Japan and Japanese gaming culture more part of the Xbox ecosystem than it's ever been. I remind you, in the last two years, we got a ton of Final Fantasy games into Game Pass. We got a bunch of the Kingdom Hearts games into Game Pass, and we saw them work to uh, build a relationship with those studios over there and it's an ongoing process as far as more jrpgs specifically i think you're going to get some i do not necessarily think that it's going to rival the playstation side simply put sony is a japanese company and very good with industry decade-long industry ties over there there were rumors at some point and it and, uh, and I say rumors, and I really want you to hear me. I'm saying rumor. I did not think this was necessarily the case entirely, but that uh, Xbox had approached Sega about purchasing them. And uh, in getting them, they, well, everyone thinks Sonic, really it's a matter of Atlas, and Atlas is a huge JRPG maker, so there's a benefit to that. But I think Xbox is well aware of their own f failings when it comes to bringing more Japanese style and Japanese cultural cultural games for i don't know maybe it's not the right way to say that i hope my wording doesn't come off as offensive i don't mean it as such uh, but but you know 
building stronger ties to Japan in the gaming space because Xbox One, Xbox 360, and the Xbox proper all failed over there pretty miserably uh, by comparison to their opponents. And so we've got a new effort, a different tactic, of, but coming in by way of xCloud of a $300 box of building studios and, and creating relationships over there. Uh, we know that Elden Ring is a factor in in getting from software on board and, and they're really trying to diversify their lineup. So maybe my friend, I hope for your sake that you do get what you want out of that. While I'm not a JRPG player, uh, I think there it's a very important genre and one where Xbox falls behind. So that needs to happen. This next question comes from my good friend, Kyle Stevenson, who is the co-host over on the trophy room. He has the unfortunate privilege uh, or really uh, curse of having to put up with Joseph Moran, Mr. Bad Bit, who's just the worst, honestly. You know, I preach about positivity, but Joe sucks. He's just the worst, right? Go follow him, Mr. Bad Bit, on Twitter. And he, uh, he and Kyle both host the Trophy Room, one of my favorite podcasts for sure. Uh, he says, question one, who do you think you are? Uh, and then he says, real question, my personal game of the year last year, Control, is on Game Pass. What other undervalued games like Control are on Game Pass that people should check out? That is a wonderful question, Kyle, and it's one that I think we get fairly often uh, here on XCP, and I think a lot of Xbox shows entertain this kind of question. Uh, and, and I'll pull the list that I kind of have just been building over time for games that I think people should play that are undervalued, despite being well-known, kind of like Control. Titanfall 2, of course, is the one that never got played enough by people. It's over on Game Pass thanks to EA Play being included now. It's so good, as is Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, I know, Kyle, that you're a big fan of games like Sackboy and Astro's Playroom, uh, and I believe you already played Super Lucky's Tale, but if you guys like 3D platformers, Super Lucky's Tale is a, is a, is a really fun one. New Super Lucky's Tale, I should say. Uh, the Messenger and Katana Zero are great 2D side-scrolling style games that are in the vein of like 16-bit era, but they have their own twists. Uh, Messenger uses time manipulation to change between 8-bit and 16-bit, and Katana Zero uses a rewind mechanic that is unrivaled. Hyperdot is one of them, Kyle. Uh, Darksiders Genesis, I think you know Kyle, uh, Kyle. I keep saying Kyle, 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 Kyle. You know that Joe and I played that rather extensively. Arkham Knight, I know you, are, you and I are also very similar in that we love the Arkham games. That's on there as well. Halo Wars 2 is a fantastic strategy game. And if you like real-time strategy, there's Halo Wars 2. If you like... Um, turn-based strategy there's gears tactics and you should be checking that out as well and i would say while i do have a bias and i talked about loving gears of war uh, if you've not played the single player campaigns of gears of war go give those a shot because they are wonderful third-party cover cover shooters that are really incredible and gears 5 specifically laura bailey is just incredible and her role as kate diaz uh, and the entire cast just does a, a great performance and we're on the eve of campaign dlc that i'm ecstatic for and it might be a good time to jump in and just experience that um, a lot of people that have been playstation specific like yourself for so long have been treated to some incredible single-player exclusives. And when you first look at the Microsoft lineup, you might think that they're all multiplayer. Sea of Thieves, State of Decay, uh, Halo, Gears, all of those have a lot of multiplayer and co-op-style elements. But within them are some great single-player games. There's an entire campaign in State of Decay 2. The Gears campaigns are, are just so good, bud. Um, so give those a shot. Those are some uh, underrated games in the genres that they are in. 
Uh, and like Control, they could win Game of the Year, and they could win all these accolades, but not enough people have played them. And that is the joy of Game Pass, is you can do that without burning your wallet. I know, guys. I know we have, we have a lot of questions this week, but I'm enjoying myself, so I hope you'll mind that I don't mind that I indulge just a bit. Uh, this one comes from Betterman77. He says, "What are your favorite indie games that you'd recommend?" Uh, I would say Dead Cells for sure. Hyperdot. Uh, I mentioned that one. Katana Zero, of course. The Messenger, uh, one of my favorites for sure. Those are kind of some standout, you know, right away ones. Bartlow's Dread Machine, we had Clayton on the show a while back. That one's great. Uh, also, I recently just played Tesla vs. Lovecraft from 10 Tons. I like twin stick shooters a lot. And in next week's episode, you'll actually get to hear from Ollie, who's a 10 year veteran of working at 10 Tons and working on twin stick shooters. Uh, he'll get to talk to us about that. Those are some indie games I'd recommend to you. Uh, Betterman, but then also you said that your son Josh, what up Josh, good to hear your voice, or rather good for you to hear my voice I should say, look at me getting all mixed up, you wanted to know Josh what my favorite gaming snack is, uh, and that your dad makes you listen to the show uh, now that you're having to work around him, what's up Josh, that's cool, uh, I, favorite gaming snack, Cheez-It Grooves, for sure, Cheez-It Grooves, and I would say either the white cheddar or the, like, double cheesy version of those. I love me some cheese at Grooves. Um, I have a very strong affinity for cookies cookies of all types as well. But my pants don't button right now, and so I've been working to try and cut back on that just a bit. Also, ginger ale over ice because I'm an old man, and I love that stuff. So there you go. Thanks for listening, Josh and Better Man. You guys are awesome. Man, oh man, okay, let's do let's do uh, one or two more questions here. This one comes from Benjamin Rivers. He says, if you could select a sequel to any third-party game from any console and bring it to Xbox Game Pass as an exclusive, what would it be? In a world where we're trying to make Game Pass even better, the Jedi Fallen Order for sure uh, would be it. Whatever the sequel to that is, I think that should be... Uh, that would be amazing if it were a Game Pass exclusive. Again, that's a a, a, a pipe dream for sure, as, as I guess many of these would be. Uh, I would also love to see a sequel to Quantum Break. Quantum Break is deserving of a sequel. It had a terrible boss fight, but the game had good ideas. And there's not enough games where you can slow down time uh, like that for sure. So, so those would be, I guess, my two answers right now. Um, and this isn't third party, but somebody make Crackdown 4. I know. I know Crackdown 3 wasn't beloved, but... I had fun. The last question for this week comes from Stuart, who says, Hi, my question is, what's going to fill the gap from first party between now and fall of 2021? Assuming that's when Halo will release, it can't just be third-party stuff, right? Stuart, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it should not just be third-party stuff. And ironically, this is the problem that Sony had in the PS4 generation. The Xbox One had a pretty incredible launch lineup, and I'm thinking, like, uh, kind of in that first, you know, window of time, you had Titanfall, Rise of Rome, Sunset Overdrive. Uh, I don't, I think Quantum Break was a year or so after, but you know, the, the Xbox One launch lineup was pretty impressive, uh, and the PS4 is pretty paltry. Uh, and I feel like it's kind of switched this year, as even though the Sony games that we're getting in the first year, uh, like Miles Morales and Horizon Forbidden West and Bug Snacks, are are transitional titles they're available on ps4 they feel like they're ps5 games um xbox needs to do something jeff grubb 
accidentally started a full-on rumor when he noted that it's very likely that Forza Horizon 5 comes to pass before Forza Motorsport 8. And it makes sense. His logic makes sense on that because it's a matter of uh, Forza Horizon really not needing a revamp in any particular way. They could just have a new setting and and have a go at it. Um, So you have your Forza Horizon, your Halo Infinite, and theoretically Hellblade 2. And while that's all well and good and great, and you might even see Microsoft Flight Simulator come to console, that's not that's that's not new in the sense. That's kind of the, the the same thing I just mentioned for Sony. It feels like it's the same old stuff, and we cannot have a repeat of Xbox One, where even though there were plenty of titles, it felt like it was always Gears, Halo, and uh, Sea of Thieves, and Forza, and and I guess State of Decay. It just, it can't feel like Gears, Halo, Forza uh, again. So my hope is that it's unannounced stuff. I don't know what it would be because we really don't know much. We know about Elden Ring, but when is that happening? They've got Bethesda now with them. What are they working on? Hellblade 2 and Halo we, we know about. But what else is going on uh, over at Obsidian? What else is going on over at Compulsion Games? What's happening with all these studios? Most of them have multiple teams. You know, what's going to happen with Everwild? Sea of Thieves is doing very well. 11 million players now. Incredible. But not moving the needle as far as, as, as getting people to go out and buy an Xbox, right? So uh, they've got to have more. You're, you're right about that. But maybe we see some, some hints to it at the Game Awards. And if not the Game Awards, I would say uh, in the month of January, February at the latest, you get an EXO-style event, digital event, fan fest, I don't know, uh, where you, you get to see what the 2021-2022 era for Xbox looks like. At least that's what they need to do. They really need games. They're not they're not oblivious to it. They know that, but they need to they need to showcase some stuff. All right, guys, that's a that's a lot of talking for me today. Thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed the show. I get mentioned to you earlier on how you could win three months of Game Pass Ultimate. I've also got a code for uh, Tesla Force to go along with our 10 Tons interview on the next episode where I will have Ollie on from 10 Tons to talk about twin stick shooters and and that genre. So uh, when I put out the tweet for questions about that, please respond to it and we can uh, send your questions to Ollie as well. If you have any developers you want me to reach out to, feel free to give me a shout over on Twitter at InsipidGhost. My DMs are always open. I actually got two very nice DMs from some listeners this week. You're awesome. I don't I don't know that I can say your name, but both of you made my day. Um, and you can email me at InsipidGhost at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening. Please, please, please rate the show over on iTunes and have yourself a wonderful gaming week. Take care. Thank you.